Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart. I am your host, Karen Litzy, and today we're going to take a little break from uh, PT talk, even though we're going to integrate a little bit of it in this interview, and we're also going to talk about some of our younger patients, our pediatric population. And today I'm happy to have on the show Alexander Lopiccolo. He is a sensory integration occupational therapy assistant producer of the number one sensory integration therapy videos on YouTube, and an in-home sensory gym designer, which we will talk about later on in the interview. He has officially been in the sensory integration field for five years, but he says he's been doing his creative therapeutic interventions since he was a toddler. When he is not at work, he enjoys spending time with his seven-month-old son, Sawyer, wife, Brittany, and nine animals. He is also an avid barefoot long-distance runner, which we may have you on the show again and talk about that, um, and blogs daily to over 400 therapists in his LinkedIn group, Sensory Integration Therapy and Beyond. So, Alexander, welcome to the show, and thank you for coming on. Thank you, Karen. <clears throat> okay, so, so today we're going to talk about <clears throat> sensory integration syndrome, which has now been sort of reworded as sensory processing disorder. But before we get into that, let's get a little bit more about your background and kind of how you came into the occupational therapy world, because I don't know if a lot of people know, but it, at least in my experience, it's really been a female-dominated industry. So let's get a little bit more about how you got into health and wellness and, and eventually into occupational therapy. Okay, so um, when I was younger, I, uh, I was highly um, defensive in the a lot of the sensory systems and um, as I matured and I was able to do um, some interventions myself um, I ended up um, starting in sixth grade I started exercising with my dad and uh, started looking into the nutrition piece at a young age and um, I started you know, doing bodybuilding type exercises and actually built uh, our school, our middle school gym um, back in seventh grade. And uh, from there, um, I became a um, personal trainer at 19 years old um, through the National Personal Training Institute. And I also became a nutrition consultant. Then from there, I uh, worked at a few gyms, uh, did different classes. I instructed boot camps, uh, yoga, Pilates classes, and also I purchased an uh, uh, exercise device called uh, the Corpal, which I was doing uh, group fitness classes um, with children and adults. Uh, from there, I ended up doing a lot of in-home um, training, and I considered it part rehab too. I was uh, working with uh, quite a few clients that had CP and um, other musculoskeletal injuries. Um, and then I ended up, you know, saying I want to go back to school and uh, I was looking to do physical therapy but um, I, I saw OT had more of different areas that I could work in. So uh, I decided to go to OT school um, back in Michigan and from there I was really driven to make a change and uh, with my class I um, 
brought them to um, the gym rehab center I worked at. Um, and then from there, uh, I did an internship uh, out here in uh, Colorado in Steamboat Springs. And I worked at, um, I did my internship at the Yampa Valley Medical Center. And I was looking to be a hand therapist. Um, but the kids just drew me in because I'm a, um, I'm an inner, I still have my uh, inner child in me. And uh, I really bond well with the kids. Yeah, and they're so cute. So why wouldn't you want to be with kids all day, right? Yeah, that's for sure. Okay. So let's get so let's start talking about sensory processing disorder also used to be known as sensory integration syndrome and so what is sensory processing disorder so let's start with that and then we'll kind of go into you know comparisons to autism and things like that but let's start with what is sensory processing disorder so the um children have a difficult time processing uh, sensory stimuli um, from the external environment and integrated internally. So either they could over-register um, the sensory information or under-register. So um, they're either, um, they could be a seeker, so a sensory seeker, which is they're seeking uh, proprioceptive, vestibular, and tactile input. Um, so more of your, let's say, ADHD type kids would be uh, seekers, um, or your high engine, um, hyperactive kids. They're really seeking intensity with um, uh, all their sensory systems, um, but not all. So it's um, each kid is uh, different, um, and then you have um, sensory defensiveness, which I I see a lot of. Um, they're defensive, you know. They might be defensive in the um, like they're defensive with foods. They're very picky eaters. Um, sensitive to smells. They plug their ears because um, they can't handle loud noises. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so sensory processing disorder is just, they're not interpreting sensory stimuli appropriately. Okay. And how does that differ from autism? Cause you know, I've, I've heard, you know, I don't know a lot about sensory processing disorder, but you know, I've heard some people say, well, isn't it just the low end of being of autism? And and where is that distinction made? Um, so what I found uh, working with the kids is that that kids on the autism spectrum have some type of sensory processing disorder. Now, kids that have sensory processing disorder doesn't necessarily have autism. Got it. So um, you know, the kids with on the autism spectrum, they have uh, you know. Usually they're um, they're not able to self-regulate. They're having a hard time um, interacting socially with mm -hmm. their peers and adults, and um, their sensory system is out of whack. So, um, but kids with sensory processing disorder they may look typical, 
Um, but a lot of times, um, as a therapist, you can you can see something's not quite right. So we're doing interventions um, that help them with their functional um, activities of daily living or their behaviors that are contributed from the sensory systems. Right, and that kind of leads into my next question is as an occupational therapist, what do you do for these children? So let's say you have a, a new patient. They just come in to see you. They have a diagnosis of sensory processing disorder. Um, what sort of things will you do with this patient? Um, so first off, um, I'm not an occupational therapist, but you know, OTs, OTAs, they usually get combined together. So mm -hmm. usually they'll come in for an evaluation. Uh, a registered occupational therapist will do the evaluation. Mm -hmm. um, and then after they uh, set up a, they'll do a parent meeting after to set up a therapy schedule. Um, and then they get to go on my schedule, which I get to have the fun part. Mm -hmm. So, um, so with, I do all different types of interventions um, with the children. I like to have a variety. So um, one of the main things I see with kids either on the autism spectrum or um, ADD, ADHD, sensory processing disorder um, is that they have a lack of core stability. So um, they might have the core strength because they're, they use that core strength or their upper body strength to compensate for their lack of postural stability. So these are the kids that are always wiggling in their chairs. Mm -hmm. They have a hard time focusing in school. You'll probably see some um, fight or flight type um, symptoms. And then um, you'll, you'll just see probably poor auditory processing in Either they're seek they could be seekers in some areas or defensive. So um, what I'm doing with the interventions is um, I'm working on the two main core positions, which is supine flexion, which is laying on your back and flexing all your muscles into like that crunch position. Mm -hmm. um, so we're doing that position and also um, prone extension, which is laying on your stomach and holding that Superman pose. Mm -hmm. uh, we also do a lot of crawling. Um, a lot of kids um, don't, a lot of kids that I see have not crawled or they're not crawling properly. Mm -hmm. So um, we're working on the core foundation of movement, which is crawling and log rolling. Um, and then we're um, doing vestibular activities on different uh, swings. Uh, we're doing lots of different crashing, um, hopping off high platforms, running, jumping, throwing. So um, we're, we're doing all different types of interventions. Uh, one of my favorite is uh, a scooter board bungee area. Um, Gene Aries uh, thought of this back in the late 1960s, and I feel like I've, you know, taken it up another notch. Um, here at Unique Prince Therapy, um, we are using different size scooter boards uh, with different types of wheels, um, and we're doing uh, two children on one scooter board to work on some uh, social skills mm. and peer interaction. 
and we're also um, working on those uh, core core skills of laying on their back and doing the crunch and pulling it, pushing and pulling the bungee. So they're activating their core. So now, is the is the scooter attached to a bungee? Um, no, so it's just like one of those uh, gym scooter boards um, that you know they use in gym class where they put their feet on the ground and they push uh-huh. backwards. Uh-huh. Um, so they'll lay on their back, hold that crunch position. Uh, about 95% of the kids I see, they have a very, very difficult time flexing their neck and keeping their head off the ground. Uh-huh. And um, so that core stabilization position, they have to hold that without rocking side to side. They hold on to the bungee um, above their head. Uh-huh. And they they pull the bungee down to their belly button and then they push it over their head. So they're propelling themselves. I uh, see. I see. While uh, they're per- while perpendicular they're laying, to the bungee. Got it. So while they're laying on the scooter board, they sort of use the bungee as a little bit <coughs> of a sort of tactile cue to help yep. them flex. And then it also kind of propels them forward. Exactly. So cool. we're doing it on their back and flexing, uh-huh. on their stomach extending. Um, also, we're doing it in a tailor sit or a cross-legged sit uh-huh. and pushing and pulling. Um, we're also doing it in a short kneel and doing some trunk rotation to work on that core control, um, reaching for stuff on the ground and throwing it in at targets while in motion. Oh, okay, okay. And now I, you had mentioned um, briefly in there about the swings, different kind of swings. Yes. You know, I've seen these at gyms. What exactly are they used for and how are they used? How, are, how do you utilize those with kids? Um, so I use a variety of swings. Um, one of my favorite uh, companies that makes the swings is uh, Southpaw Enterprises. Uh, they make great quality products. Um, so... I guess we could start off with um, your standard swing you'd see outside. Mm -hmm. Like on a playground? Yes. Okay. So um, we're working on, um, so one of my favorite activities on it is I hang it from one point um, from a bungee. Um, It's called the Frogger Swing from Uh Southpaw. Uh You can um, stabilize a extra large therapy ball in a corner. So like a... We use an extra, extra large uh, therapy ball that we um, stabilize against the corner. And the child has to kick with both feet, so using their bilateral coordination, Uh which which helps with left-right brain integration. And they'll kick off it, and they'll bounce backwards without their feet touching the ground. Got it. So they have to use their core stabilizers. Um, They have to use the control so it doesn't spin, so the swing doesn't spin, and also um, they have to work on their core strength and endurance. Okay, okay. It's a a fun, motivating way for the kids to get their uh, therapy. Right, yeah, because, I mean, it's not like, what what is the age range of these kids that you're working with? What is Um, the average? Average, I would say between 3 and 12 years old. Okay, so... You know, it's not like you're going to tell a three-year-old to hold a plank position or, you know, stuff like that. So you kind of have to make this fun as, they're, as they are working on their, their core strength and their leg strength. You know, you know, it's a little different than saying, let's do squats. 
Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, um, what I tell the parents is that we're doing this like um, we're doing this in a fun, motivating way. Um, just like um, uh, adults go to gyms and they might find it's fun. Uh-huh. Well, we're we're doing it in a play-based way, so it's motivating, so the kids can thrive. It's all about children thriving um, to uh, work to their best ability. Sure. And and now, where does a physical therapist fit into this picture? Um, for in so your, in your experience. Do, so with children with uh, cerebral palsy, um, any type of musculoskeletal injury. Um, any deformity, um, most likely I would refer out for to physical therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we work as OT. We work with um, children using, you know, working with the whole sensory system mm-hmm. and the the whole well being. Where I feel like physical therapy, they are working on functional movements like we are. Um, but they really um, concentrate on rehabilitating the child, you know, um, through a physical modality approach. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. but I do, I, I do, I have met um, physical therapists that have, um, you know, a lot of sensory background. So they are doing some play-based therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, we work on the social piece too. I I feel like that is a big piece of uh, the sensory integration field. Is that we don't ice at here at Unique Prince. We don't isolate um, uh, our treatment rooms. We welcome the other children with the with our other therapists here to join our activity. So we really want them to work on their social skills here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sort of peer-to-peer play and things like that. Yeah, yes. That makes sense. That makes sense. Now, <clears throat> you know, we've been talking a lot about some of the things that you have at your disposal at your clinic. But I know, you know, you said that you actually design in-home sensory gyms. So can you talk a little bit about that and what components are necessary to have a complete home sensory gym? Um, A sensory gym could be a corner of a room. It doesn't have to be a large space. It doesn't have to be very elaborate. Um, You know, I've done them from outdoor back porches Mm -hmm. to um, uh, people's people's backyards, uh, garages, basements, spare rooms, living rooms, uh, the child's bedroom, you name it, um, I can uh, adapt it and m- modify it for that children's need. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. oh, um, and, you know, there's all different types of environments that I, I like to design. Um, one of my favorites is the scooter board bungee area. Another one would be um, a crashing area. Another one could be um, uh, a vestibular system or just a, a swinging area. And you can combine these all together too. So it, and 
it can be very affordable too. It's it doesn't have to be top of the line. And when you say, you know, you need all these these different areas, do people have to like hook things into their ceilings and you know, or is, is that necessary to really have the best possible sensory gym for the child? Uh nope, not at all. Oh. Uh, there is um there's a company called Richter Air. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Eileen Richter, uh, she invented these inflatables um, that where you can buy it from is uh, sensomart.com. Mm-hmm. And um, there's different inflatables. One of my favorites called the Ocean Wave. Um, so it's uh, you only have to purchase one thing for your sensory gym. It's called the Richter Air ocean wave okay and what does that do um so it looks like four inflatable hot dogs connected together okay and it works on the child's um uh strengthening it well one of my favorite activities is uh log rolling on it so you're log rolling uphill then downhill okay you're also so you're working on your core strength you're also um you can you're working on your joint stabilizer. So a lot of these kids that have low tone, mm-hmm. um, either on the autism spectrum or if they're a W sitter, mm-hmm. uh, uh, which we see a lot, yes, a lot a of lot. nowadays, um, they need to work on um, joint stability. So um, with the inflatables, you kind of have to you have to engage your core and activate it. Um, when crawling, standing, log rolling, uh, you name it, mm-hmm. uh, the inflate the the ocean wave really helps. And what? And when you said a crashing station, what does uh-huh. that mean? So, um, so you can buy a crash mat from, say, Southpaw Enterprises, um, or. If you know, say, if you have low income and you can't afford it, um, you can always do um, uh, call up a foam upholstery store and uh, ask for any foam scraps. Mm-hmm. Cut them into sh- uh, shoe size boxes um, and uh, stuff them in a duvet cover. Okay. So it's a whole okay. bunch of foam blocks into a duvet cover. Uh-huh. And uh, then you throw another duvet cover over it so you can take it off and wash it at any time. Mm-hmm. And uh, usually I'll have um, a parent put a cabinet or a dresser that's at least four feet high um, so the chi- children can climb up there, um, you know, sit on the edge of the cabinet. Uh, their friend, a friend could throw them, um, you know, a beanie baby or a squishy ball uh-huh. and they while they're flying through space or moving through space, they are throwing objects into targets okay. or knocking knocking down some blocks. Um, it it helps with self-regulation, also the eye-hand coordination, so they're going to feel more confident in their sports skills. Um, and that continuous routine of jumping down, throwing, crashing, crawling through a mini obstacle course, either if it's through tunnels or uh-huh. um, over therapy balls. That, that habitual routine um, helps organize the central nervous system. 
So the child is literally jumping off of something through mm -hmm. the air and then landing on these crash pads or on these, these, yes. uh, on the blocks. Okay. Okay. Um, but so if you have that area, then you could just, all you have to do is get either a BOSU ball, which is the mini inflatable uh -huh. half of the therapy ball. Uh -huh. And uh, so they can run, jump often, uh, run, jump, and throw, um, okay. or you can do a mini trampoline. Uh -huh. um, I like to get some type of vertical crashing and then also some uh, long jumping crashing too. Okay, so that they're sort of jumping and landing onto this big foam mat, essentially. Yeah. Okay. So you're, you're activating the proprioceptive system, which is um, muscle joint feedback. Uh -huh. So you'll build better body awareness. Um, you also impact the vestibular system, which is the fluid in the inner ear canal to help with overall balance. Um, and then you also really impact the tactile system by getting different textures um, to your skin. Got it, got it. And now, you know, having all this stuff in the home, I is, would you say is paramount to the child's uh, overall therapy? Because I would assume they're not coming to you every single day, but these are things that they should work on every single day. Uh, yes, I, um, since, uh, working here and uh, doing this, the, the clients that have the most success is when they have some type of in-home sensory gym. Mm -hmm. um, you, know, you know, say if you have a modern home, um, the child doesn't have uh, the opportunity, or say if you live in the inner city, mm -hmm. you don't have the, um, the opportunity for them to explore their um, sensory systems. So, by having a fun place in the house that's motivating and for them to work on their uh, therapeutic, uh, what we call sensory diet activities, mm -hmm. um, it really, 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 really makes a huge difference in um, their outcome of their functional goals. Sure, sure. And <clears throat> speaking of, you know, involving the parents, involving the family, Let's take it back to the child has not even been evaluated yet. Are there things that a parent can look for where they might say, you know something, I feel like my child may need to be evaluated. I'm sure they go to, to their, let's say the first, I would assume the first stop most parents would make it would be to their pediatrician. So are there any signs that a parent can be made aware of that they might think, hmm, you know, maybe my child does has some markers for sensory processing disorder or, you know, something that needs to be evaluated by their pediatrician. Uh, yes. Um, I actually just uh, uh, wrote an article and, um, and my uh, colleague, uh, Karen Phillips, uh, she helped me co-write an article about um, w sitting. So, uh, if you see your child W sitting, which is with their legs out to each side of their body, um, and their bottom slumped on the floor, so they're not engaging their core, mm -hmm. um, they have a very difficult time, uh, crossing midline. 
of their body and um, they're going to have a lot of uh, problems with their motor patterns um, down the line. So uh, if you see your child W sitting, um, you may want to talk to your pedi pediatrician um, about possibly getting OT services. Mm -hmm. um, another another thing would be um, if your um, child isn't making eye contact appropriately, um, you know, it's not necessarily autism if they're not making eye contact. Don't, you know. No need to freak out. No need to freak out at all. Um, it, you know, sometimes it's just uh, a difficulty um, using, converging their eyes together at one point. So um, sometimes it can be solved through uh, occupational therapy or maybe vision therapy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh Another thing is if they're having a very difficult time engaging and socializing with their peers, okay. um, you know, it would be good to maybe talk to the pediatrician about that too. Yeah, and you know, I had a, a friend of mine come up to me the other day. Her son is, he's five, four or five, and she said that the doctor told her that he has like poor core strength. And so, you know, what should he do for, so he may be a good candidate for some of the programs that you're talking about, um, uh, because he's, she said she her son was told that he has poor core strength, and so she's like, I don't know, what does he have to do? Like push-ups or planks? Do I have him do yoga with me? So might he be a good candidate for an occupational therapist? Uh, definitely, uh, he would uh, highly benefit from the. Uh, fun activities we do in the gym, mm -hmm. and uh, I like—I really like to have the parents sit in the gym, um, and uh, I teach them uh, different home program ideas they can do um, on a daily basis, multiple times a day. I'm sure um, that will make a huge difference um, with their core, and you know, sometimes uh, another. Sometimes children have a difficult time potty training. Mm -hmm. um, it's usually, a, it could be due to a lack of um, their core stability in that, um, like I was saying earlier, that crunch position. Mm -hmm. um, I just had uh, a uh, second grader and a fifth grader that um, have been clean for a month um, from doing these exercises while doing a therapeutic listening program. And what about, I know you made mention of this earlier, that sometimes children have, uh, may have a hard time with feeding. Let's say maybe they, you know, are having some sensory processing issues even around food and feeding. So is this something that an occupational therapist would help with as well, or would they go to like a speech therapist that specializes in feeding, or are there uh, feeding specialists? Uh, there are feeding specialists, um, and there are also, um, you know, some speech therapists are mm -hmm. trained in uh, different uh, feeding protocols. Um, I am... I, I've just lived the life of probably one of the pickiest eaters you have ever met. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, I was eating only um, a carb-based diet, you know, 
lots of McDonald's chicken nuggets. Um, Kids love it, those chicken nuggets. Yeah. Um, you know, now I regret it, but um, uh-huh. you know what? I've learned a lot from um, studying uh, nutrition uh, since I was younger. So, And also my brother um, is a French chef. Oh, that's uh, nice. And he, um, he's, he really taught me at a young, you know, when I became a teenager, um, that foods can actually taste good and the product of each food is different. So, you know, um, there's, you know, low end and high end foods and a lot of times the stuff in the middle is the best. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't always have to be whole foods, um, or, you know, your high quality, um, expensive foods. So, um, here at Unique Prince, I've been doing something for the last three years called the Foodie Group. Okay. Uh, I use these health. I use healthy foods, and then I I see what the kids um, are eating at that time, and I put them together and do it in a play-based way. Mm. So um, have had really great success uh, with the Foodie Groups. Um, and and is this something this foodie group that you would have the parents in on it as well? Um, sometimes, uh, a lot of times I'll just have um, the, ch- you know, it's been growing each um, foodie gr- foodie group I do because I've been great getting such great feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the kids are exploring new foods that have, you know, they were not even sitting at the same table at. Um, just great. a year ago. Yeah. So, um, now I'm starting to integrate, uh, bento box lunches from, uh, laptoplunches.com. Okay. Um, it's a way to separate the food because some kids don't like to have the same food or different foods touching each other. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, and it also shows portion control too. Okay. Very cute. Very cute. Yeah. And I know a lot of kids don't like it when things are all sort of mushed together. And, you know, I had friends of mine who their son would only eat things that were brown. So it's a lot of chicken nuggets, pancakes, French fries, you know, and so it was very difficult for them, I think, to, to integrate other foods into his repertoire. And that went on for like a long time. Now, if he likes brown foods... Um, I, I would probably incorporate in maybe if he likes chocolate, I would start doing some type of chocolate shake, um, that has, that you can integrate, uh, different fibers, proteins, Mm -hmm. uh, good good complex cards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, the child will never know it. You you give him a TheraTube straw to work on his, um his jaw strength mm-hmm. and his lip closure mm-hmm. and he'll be like, oh, this tastes good. And a lot of times when you have the child participate in making the meal, they'll want to try it even more. Yeah, that's very true. Very true. Okay, so um, let's talk about, I know you said that you have been kind of doing sensory integration, for lack of better terms, for yourself since you were a toddler. So what are some of your personal sensory hobbies that maybe, you know, some people can relate to? Um, when I was a child or right now? Uh, let's do both. Uh, so when I was a child, I, um, 
I grew up um, in the suburbs of uh, just north of Detroit. Uh Um, You know, had a big field behind me. Uh, You know, we were either biking, uh, biking up the hill and riding down, Uh or we would go sledding during the winter um, daily. and I also uh, started playing sports at a young age. Um, I started youth wrestling when I was four years old. I think it's a great sport to um, learn discipline, um, respect for your peers and your elders. You learn your own um, your own body strength and awareness. Um, and I would also assume you learn how to kind of control that as well. Exactly. You learn how to self-regulate. You learn mm-hmm. how to calm your nervous system in intense situations mm-hmm. and uh, a, a huge thing uh, with it is that you're in that hands and knees position what we call quadruped mm-hmm. um, uh, when you're on that hands and knees and you're weight bearing um, in that crawl type position um, you're integrating your primitive reflexes so by um, as as an infant when you um, if you don't integrate, and through childhood, if you don't integrate your, um, say, something like your moral reflex, which is the startle reflex, uh-huh. um, which is, I see about a uh, high percentage of kids that I see here um, have the moral reflex. Um, at, what, at what age? Um, I see kids all the way, you know, I see actually adults that have the moral reflex right? still. You know, those are the the... Children or adults that have that fight, flight, or freeze mm-hmm. response. Mm-hmm. So by doing um, these reflex integration exercises, we're able to integrate that moral reflex, um, which um, I feel like uh, youth wrestling really helps with. Hmm. Um, another big thing was, you know, I I played roller hockey, baseball, football, um, but another one of my big hobbies was making obstacle courses. Mm. Um, I feel that um, not some parents don't want their kids doing obstacle courses because it's going to make a mess. But the thing is, it's so therapeutic for them to do that, to learn how to be creative, learn how to set up something, uh, set up an obstacle course, mm-hmm. um, learn how to plan and organize it. Uh, learn how to adapt to that obstacle course. Maybe they have to change things up. Uh, they're working on their frustration tolerance mm. and their flexibility, cognitive mm-hmm. flexibility, mm-hmm. and also their motor planning skills. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a great. And then how about what, what are you doing now? Um, now I am. As an adult. Uh, as an adult, I'm a avid uh, barefoot runner, um, and I... Also, um, sometimes I'll just, uh, so I run with my dog canine cross style too, which is, um, my dog wears a harness and, uh, I hook up a bungee leash that goes around my waist and Mm -hmm. he pulls me like a sled dog while I run. So, uh, I get that really high intensity, um, uh, workout and I'll go for long distances, um. So I'm, I do that. Um, I'm also, uh, like when I'm outside work, I'm still doing sensory integration therapy. I'm literally doing 
um, with my uh, with my child Sawyer. Um, I have a you know a square platform swing set up in my living room uh, on my back porch. Mm-hmm. I can um, if I'm not doing that. Um, I am making uh, obstacle courses for my guinea pigs. Mm-hmm. Um, I do. <laughs> I design uh, large cages for guinea pigs, and uh, and then also my three cats, um, which I make obstacle courses for them too um, with their uh, cat trees. Uh huh. So you have stuff all over. Your wife is a very patient woman. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, she like she's uh, very flexible with me. Yes, yes. Your wife must be a very, very patient woman. Yes. Um, okay. And how about any future plans in the OT field? Any, you know, any plans to kind of uh, for you going forward? Yeah, I'm. Uh, while I'm here on planet Earth, I'm here to make uh, some big changes um, in the SI field. Uh, I am uh so I write I write articles for uh Southpaw Enterprises now um for their e-newsletter. Mm-hmm. Um so spreading the word about um SI therapy and the benefits of it and also different uh sensory products that make a, a huge difference in mm-hmm. uh children's lives. Uh I'm I'm hopefully going to be working with uh uh, the Spiral Foundation, um, led by Teresa May Benson. She's a pioneer OT. Okay. Um, and hopefully doing some sensory processing disorder research. Um, and also, um, I'm really working with uh, uh, learning and creating different inter- uh, new and exciting interventions uh, with the Richter Air um, inflatables and also the baby bound X. Um, and there's a possibility I might have a new invention that will be coming out nice. um, within the next uh, one to two years. Um, working on that right now. Uh, a sensory product that uh, will, I think, revolution. Well, you'll, you'll keep that to yourself. Yeah, that, <laughs> that'll be under wraps for now. But yeah. Uh, I think that will revolutionize um, uh, the SI field where it hasn't been tapped into yet. And uh, I really would like to, um, you know, keep doing the sensory gym designs at people's homes in different environments. Um, Hopefully, we'll be doing some traveling assignments. Uh, Would love to start doing some lectures. uh, different spots all around the world to help, um, you know, the other countries learn what SI is about. And uh, last but not least, um, I will I will be doing uh, multi-sensory environments um, within the next uh, year. Cool. And what is what is a multi-sensory environment? Um, basically, you. Um, some people think it's for the low functioning um children where you mm-hmm. you do different uh sensory stimuli like different light therapies okay um you'll see the bubble tubes um the different projectors to mm-hmm. change people's moods mm. um, you can also do different uh vibrating 
um, vibrating ball pits, vibrating chairs, um, different game, different light games. Uh, so it's uh, highly, highly therapeutic, uh -huh. um, and it's the most leading edge, probably technology out there. Cool. cool. And now, if people want to get in touch with you, what is the best way to find you and uh, see what you're up to? Um, if you'd like to connect with me, you can um, you can add me on LinkedIn uh -huh. um, and uh, connect with me uh, by adding Alexander Lopiccolo. That's uh, A L E X A N D E R. Uh, last name Lopiccolo, L-O-P-I-C-C-O-L-O. -O. Uh -huh. And um, if you want to learn more about SI therapy, you can uh, request to uh, join my group, uh, Sensory Integration Therapy and Beyond. Uh, and that's also on LinkedIn. That's on LinkedIn too, yes. And, uh, you know, connect with me. I'll be glad to, uh, you know, share my knowledge. And, uh, you know, maybe we can... Uh, we can connect and learn together. Great. Well, you know, thank you so much for coming on the show today. This was great. I think, you know, <clears throat> this is certainly an area that I don't know a lot about, so it's been really great to kind of get more information on that. And, and uh, so I thank you so much for taking the time out today. Uh, thank you, Karen. And um, I'm always available for part two, or if you'd yeah. like to talk about some uh, barefoot running. Yeah, uh, I may tap you for that. Okay. All right. So uh, thank you very much for your time. And, thank uh, you. It was fun. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. And thank Bye. you for tuning in, everyone, and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart.